Welcome in everybody to the Longhorn Republic, your source for Texas Longhorn news, sports, and opinions with a bit of snark built in. We are a podcast of Burn Orange Nation, and you can find more great Texas Longhorn content over at burnorangenation.com. If you like what we do, please leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. Helps get the show out there. Share this with your friends. Wherever you found it, whether it was Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, anywhere where you find fine podcast content, you can find Kyle and myself. Connect with us on social media at Longhorn Pod on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, where the Longhorn Republic, or shoot us an email, longhornrepublicpod at gmail.com. My name is Gerald Goodridge. I'm your host this week, like I am every week. And I'm joined by a man who's glad Texas doesn't have any Emmys on their trophy case, Kyle Carpenter. Kyle, how are you? You know, winning an Emmy is is cool. Like, it, it's, a, it's a big deal. Um, we were both journalism majors, Gerald. That's you know we, we enjoy uh, sports Emmys, daytime Emmys, Emmys, um, MJ Cox on the soccer team. Uh, you know it, 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 Emmys are great all all over you know all around. But <laughs> if you're trying to impress an 18 year old, I don't know that as in the words of Doc Texas taking them into Barbara Streisand's closet is the <laughs> is the most effective recruiting tool especially after you spent a week on exact same said recruit lambasting the fact that he pointed out one wing of the Texas expansive trophy uh, room that's like 12 times the size happens to have swimming in it what if there were, what if it was an egot if they had if they had the egot Kyle would that have been more impressive than just the Emmy well it it, it depends did they win that Emmy? for the production they did of now Miami Dolphins uh, and former <laughs> University of Texas safety. Uh, you know, if, if that's the case, then maybe it is more impressive because that shows true journalism. Look, like, it's cool that they have a production company. Was it 12th Man Productions or whatever? 12th Man Productions. And they, they won something. That's cool. We have a network, an ESPN, ABC, Disney network on campus that covers and does stories and wins awards. So it whatever like we're still better continually but we're not here to talk about sad aggie trophy rooms we're here to talk about sad horn frogs baseball diamonds texas went three and one on the week they put the boots to rio Grande valley and then took two of three from tcu uh this weekend to win the series we'll do a, a quick spring practice check-in and then we've got a pretty extensive down the 40 soccer still in action softball tennis all the country club stuff rowing tough weekend in the boats for the ladies, we'll talk more about that. We'll obviously close the show out with some bang the drum. So after a 13-5 to midweek win over UT Rio Grande Valley, trying to get some of their swagger back, Texas opened the weekend with one of the best pitching performances we've seen all year, something that we've hoped to see from Pete Hansen uh, since basically that Tennessee game. But uh, Pete Hansen pitched a shutout Friday night for Texas to win 2-0. Uh, Tristan Stevens had another bad outing. Justin Stevens has been struggling the last month. Uh, TCU jumped all on top of him en route to setting themselves up for a 7-4 to four win. And then Texas, uh, the Bats took the lead on Sunday, winning 7-3. to three. Texas really um, showed that it's got it from both sides of the plate, both pitching and hitting. But I, I want to dial in on kind of the dichotomy between Pete Hansen and Tristan Stevens. And it seems like Hansen has been getting stronger and stronger over the last couple of weeks. Uh, and we see where we're at today. And then Stevens continued to struggle. And I'm just not sure what happened because the bullpen was actually pretty good backing him up. Yeah, it, it's a little interesting. Um, they actually had Stevens in the booth. They will do for the midweek games. They'll, they'll often get a weekend starter uh, 
on with the uh, the Longhorn Network broadcast duo, and so they had for the Rio Grande Valley game Tristan Steven on for 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 a while. He probably had a ten minute you know interview, just kind of talking everything and. Um, they talked about how you recover from the tech outing, which similarly was very tough right from the out. And then he had a, you know, a, a good performance against OU. And you kind of said, okay, so that's, um, that is maybe a sign of things to come. And then this, this was at least a step back. So it's a little bit interesting. He seemed confident. It seemed like, you know, Sean Allen and, and uh, the whole staff, you know, in the younger guys, there's, there's an ethos that, kind of penetrates through and, and it, you have to have it to be a baseball player especially a pitcher like you, you let that one go and you focus on the next one you get back in your same routine you do the things you do like if, if it was a borderline guy maybe but th- you're talking about a guy who for multiple years has been consistent uh, now look it, you're getting into big 12 play you're getting into you know tough tough hitters hitters who've seen stevens for a couple of years in some cases um maybe they just have the scouting read on him yeah right maybe Maybe there is there's something that that they're seeing, or maybe you know it it is Stevens dropping off, struggling, not hitting his spots, you know, like like he wants, not getting in his rhythm that he looks for. I think if Hanson was also struggling, it may not be as glaring. But Pete Hanson has just pitched two Friday nights that were absolutely golden. I mean, there's a reason he's the back to back Big Twelve pitcher of the week. Um, he he basically has had. 12 strikeouts in his in his past two outings one of which was eight innings and then he's like how do I one up that well I'll do nine innings and also by the way make it a two hit complete game shutout uh his first complete game of his career obviously then his first shutout of his career 12 ties his career high which he set last week um so yeah I mean Hanson is locked in he's as hot as any pitcher in the country that was as dominant as a performance I've seen years it it, it honestly feels that way um uh, for UT I mean that that was as good as anything we, we we saw from any of our power Friday night starters the past couple years it was it was a master class in throwing no greater than 92 miles an hour and being unhittable being not to call it Greg Maddox, you know, esque, but but being precise, having complete control, uh, just keeping hitters on their toes without just blowing stuff by them at, at ninety eight where they can't keep up. He just he just was pinpoint. It was it was a, a guy is locked in. So when you when you just when you kind of juxtapose those two, it, it makes Tristan Stevens who again is four and three. It's not like his year is just a complete waste, but there there definitely is a little bit of room for concern there. We'll be very curiously watching how he responds with a potential get right game in coming up next weekend. Um, and, and hopefully he really takes advantage of that because I'm not ready to write him off. And I think, I don't think Pierce, I don't think anyone should be. I think if they go in Omaha, they're going to need both of those guys uh, at their, at their apex. Yeah. I don't think anybody's ready to, to write him off. I just think it's, it's so strange to see him. This is like night and day from like the first month of the season. And so it's, it's hard to figure out where it went wrong, what went wrong and, and how they can get it right. And David Pierce, obviously is not going to give up on him. Um, I think somebody else that we have to talk about in this and um, a lot of it came in a loss, but the reemergence of Dylan Campbell in that Saturday game was um, honestly a big reason. And one of the few reasons why Texas was able to, to close that gap and uh, keep it close. Uh, he put what two over the wall, I think in that, um, in that, which is nuts. And so like Texas is starting to figure it out. And I think put it together, which is weird to say about the preseason number one team in the country. They're still number seven. They're like 24 and 10 on the year, but you know, they went into that tiny stadium in, in Lubbock and it, you know, looked a little dicey there for a minute. I think, if you isolate that weekend series against uh, like that week that was like Texas State and Tech 
and Texas A&M, like if you can isolate that like 10 day span outside of that, Texas has been pretty solid. And it's, it's, you know, guys like Campbell stepping in to contribute and guys like, you know, again, Hanson getting it back together or Texas figuring it out with trying to get their Sunday pitcher tightened up. Like they're putting the right pieces in play. And I think the sky was falling there for that 10 day period. And I think because the internet likes to go crazy anytime Texas loses and it made it feel bigger than it was. And I think that's why the coaches and coaches in general say like, never let your highs be too high and your lows be too low. Right. This is a really good baseball team and they still have a shot to accomplish. I think every single one of their goals for the year is just going to take a little bit of work, but two out of three was the goal this weekend. And Texas managed to do that. Yeah. And, and look, let's not discount either. Uh, Lucas Gordon looked pretty good in his start on Sunday and, and he's showing up. So, I mean, there are, like you said, a lot of things, heading in the exact right direction. I, I view series wins, right? Like sweeps are great, but series wins, and, and this is a ranked series win, I view this as a great weekend, right? Like I, I winning uh, when it was crucial on Sundays and back-to-back weeks or three weeks in a row, honestly, like I view a lot of things really well. The the Campbell coming in and adding another hot bat, Staley continuing to be, the Murph Dog just unbelievable, Melendez being great. Um, you're, you're seeing, you know, I think the bullpen even out a little bit, and, that, and that's just – they they move Nixon who's who's been a little bit um shaky. He was the first one in relief on that Saturday, which is an interesting slot for him, but it also A is a vote of confidence, but B gives him a different scenario where he doesn't just have the game on the line. It's a chance to go out and throw good innings and it kind of let the bullpen and him coming in first um be a little more consistent and solid and then in the the Sunday game they they look good as well. So, um you know, I'm heading into that. This is this is um a week of purple and a week of, of hopefully where they can just sweep through uh, midweek and weekend and, and get all their arms, you know, if they can have six or seven different pitchers looking great. Koi uh, Cobb threw a lot of strikes. He's a guy who came in at the end of, end of game, a new position for him. So there's a lot of things um, to like. And again, a series win over OU, a, a top 20 RPI team, a top uh, 20 five ranked team in TCU uh you know Texas still I think is number four in RPI so I I still feel really good about where they are they just need to like win the ones they should right like get I'm okay with 2-1 series wins on on their their tough series here on out and a sweep or two would be nice against the bottom of the the conference with both Kansas teams on the horizon and and then again we'll we'll be I think in in pretty good shape uh with the strength of schedule that we had uh looking towards postseason play you know Texas is undefeated on Sundays in conference play, right? Like that's the thing. And it, and it seems like a dumb thing or something to, like it seems like you're trying to put lipstick on a pig or something, but like they could have gone in Lubbock and been demoralized on Sunday and laid down and gotten swept and they didn't, right? They had a rubber match two weeks in a row against OU and against TCU, two teams that love nothing more than to beat Texas and are teams that are going to be competing for a conference championship later on in the season. And they won the rubber matches there on Sunday. And so like that is the type of resilience you need from a team that's going to make a postseason run. That's the type of resilience you want to see from a squad that still got some that lost Saturday or their, I guess their Sunday starter. Right they're They don't have a Sunday starter and. They've won three straight Sundays. And so like that to me is as the sky is falling and in Texas Twitter and Texas online always seems to freak out. But like as we think about this, Texas still has all of their goals in front of them and they still have the tools and the pieces to do that. Now, it's probably not going to be as easy as we thought it was when they went to the when they absolutely blew Tennessee and, and LSU out of the water in uh, in the early season. It's not going to be that easy. It's not going to cruise. And I think that was an unsustainable pace and kind of got people looking for a team that was going to be like Arnold and the original Terminator, just untouchable. <laughs> but like it seems like this is again, 
Coach Pierce is still figuring it out. And I think, honestly, and this is probably going to be a controversial stance, but I wouldn't be shocked to see Texas drop another mid midweek game because they're still trying to figure out the bullpen in the back end of the year. That's what you use midweek games for. That's what a lot of those midweek games for against Rio Grande Valley or against Incarnate Word or whoever. It's like, hey, let me get this random arm a couple of innings and see where they're at. And I think that's going to be something to watch throughout the season is those midweek games are going to look weird and ugly. And we saw Tech got swept in a midweek series, right? Like those things are happening. College baseball, there's a lot of parody this year. And so it's going to be a fun season. Uh, Nerve wracking for those of you that like big wins, I'm included. But like, that's kind of what baseball is right now. Yeah, I think I think you're absolutely right. And uh, again, like I said, I, I look at week weekend series. If they just win win out win series the rest of the way, they will host in postseason uh, play. So I'm not I'm not worried. I'm not anywhere near the sky's falling camp. There's things that they need to improve without a doubt. Pitching some little things with hitting uh, in a couple spots, but honest honestly. Uh, very hard to find uh, things to complain about with a number seven team, number four RPI, and uh, a team that just finished a top 25 uh, series win. So it is kind of separation weekend in the Big 12. Texas is right now 24 and 10 on the year five and four in conference play. And so this weekend, they're going to Kansas State. They got Stephen F. Austin in the midweek, and then they're going to Kansas State, who uh, they are the the bottom team, the last place team in conference. Um, and the top four teams that are ahead of them are playing each other. So this is an opportunity for Texas to uh, continue to move up and kind of put themselves in better position to close out the regular season uh, and improve their seeding for the conference tournament. Everybody's kind of competing for uh, that top spot, so they have an advantageous position when it comes time for conference tournament if you're not aware um i don't know how you aren't if you're listening to this podcast but spring practice currently in full swing texas still a couple of weeks out from their spring game but there were a lot of positive notes coming out of spring practice now most spring practices are uh, all sunshines and rainbows and unicorn farts or whatever but um this, for me, has a lot of uh, positive things to point to. A lot of the reports coming out of spring practice say that former five-star quarterback, number one. Has there ever been a, a quarterback that was the number one quarterback in two different recruiting classes? Because that was Quinn Ewers. Uh, connected on several deep passes to uh, several of the key players. He worked mainly with the twos in the first half of the scrimmage, which Texas is going twos on ones. And so he was playing against the, the ones um, in that, which is always good to see. And it seems like the the quarterback battle is, is kind of like you and I predicted it would be, Kyle, where Quinn Ewers probably is the more physically gifted uh, and it has the edge there. But Hudson Card has the advantage of being the, the quarterback that's got more reps in the trenches. He was an early enrollee. And so this is now his third spring with Texas. So he has a, a much better grasp of the college game and the playbook. And so... Um, I don't think we're going to get much resolution from the quarterback uh, position in the spring and honestly through the first several weeks of the fall. So, like, I don't even know where to go with this other than, like, how do we be patient, Kyle? What does patience look <laughs> like here for Texas fans who want it all now? It doesn't exist. Uh, Texas fans, like you mentioned with the baseball team, they're, they're, they will they will turn on the number seven team if, if they're not number one. You know, Texas expects to win a national championship in every sport every year, but especially in football. And it, it's crazy and it's okay. And and we love our crazy fans and, and we fall into that, that camp of, you know, drinking the Kool-Aid and getting excited in the off season. And, and we're, we're all in it together. Um, but yeah, it, it, patience is probably it right now. We have two quarterbacks. Like if someone is reporting that we have one and it's, it's decided 
they're they're speculating or they're lying. Um, there's two quarterbacks right now. It's it's Hudson Card and and uh, Quinn Ewers, and you know Malik Murphy's in there studying his his tail off, trying to catch up and and you know be the third quarterback. But uh, we have two quarterbacks right now, and that's not going to change. You know until we get to fall uh until we get to the season someone may take more snaps with the ones but uh i think it'll probably be pretty likely they both rotate in this one uh, i think card started with the ones yours started with the twos um and uh that's just first of all no fun for anybody because that second offensive line whoo uh can't wait for those uh, those those big big humans who are also young to hurry up and get on campus because uh whoever's the the second the quarterback in the in the twos just it's it's the it's yeah it's a fire drill but um it, 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 kind of around that it, it did sound like both both quarterbacks you know are, are getting accustomed to how they break down with with uh, how they move when the pocket breaks down and and by all reports cart looked less antsy looked more composed back there that may have been something from milwee with the coaching thing about um allowing them to 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 you know, run a little quicker or move out of the pocket a little quicker, or, or we'll see where we're at there. But it felt like, you know, you were just still getting used to not having um, a good line in front of him. Um, but, you know, he, he made the plays. I think when he got out of the pocket, he made a lot of great plays, including I think they released a video on one of them. But but all the sources I talked to her at the scrimmage said that you were just the ball he, he put to Worthy where he moved in the pocket and kind of on the run from a interesting almost Mahomes-esque arm slot, you know, was able to work some passes, uh, one to Worthy, one to Jatavian Sanders, um, that were, you know, that were big boy stuff. Um, so, I mean, you see it with yours. You see the upside. You see everything there. I think the overall spring card has had less interceptions, but, you know, they both had a couple drops from some receivers. They, they've both had to deal with, you know, the line, and, and hopefully that means the defensive backs are playing better. But, I, again, to tie it all back, I think we have two quarterbacks, and I think we're going to be watching both of them and monitoring both of them. And you and I have a thought of who we think will win out this battle, but I think ultimately – we have two quarterbacks right now until we hear otherwise. Texas will have two quarterbacks until probably the week of game prep is what it feels like. Uh, at least publicly, we may start to see chatters of who's taking more reps with the ones versus the twos in a, cu- a couple weeks into the fall practice. But I, I, I'm totally fine with that. Let like Every time somebody tweets about Quinn Ewers in Hudson Card, I respond with the gift from Godzilla of Ken Watanabe just saying, let them fight. Like, just let these dudes make each other better. There's a situation where these two, and like, it's it's hard to think about. Hudson Card is also an elite quarterback. He was a top quarterback in that class. He was one of the best players in the country that year. Like, these are two elite quarterbacks. Let the rising tide raise both ships and see whichever boat doesn't capsize like that is the situation and I think the addition of guys like Isaiah Nair is going to be big I think the addition of guys like Jaleel mm-hmm. Billingsley is going to be big but I've said it before and I'll say it again the barometer for how this offense is going to be is the same as it always been the same as it's been in the last several years is how good is the offensive line going to be we saw them progress I know people are going to roll their eyes at this statistically speaking as far as their cup their their pass protection and their run protection the offensive line got better as the year went on sure Sure. And so if they continue on that trajectory, they don't even have probably the two highest ceiling guys on campus in Kelvin Banks and uh, DJ Campbell. Those two guys are still in high school. And so 
you add those two guys, if those two guys are up to speed by the first week of conference, this offense could look pretty good. If that, again, if that the offensive line group that's on campus continues to uh, project the way that they close the season and those two five-star guys come in and contribute as early as most people think that they can, like that to me is going to be the biggest change. And so we can't even really accurately judge the offense until those guys are on campus. Yeah, I, I agree completely. So let, I think... We talk about for now, and, and again, it's it's interesting how we do the Zabruder film of anything that Texas football releases. Um, but, you know, we, we, we take what we get. We're, we're talking about practices here. These are scrimmages. Even the spring game is a scrimmage. Um, but we, we look at everything available to us, and, and we look at what's the best what we have. We can keep in the back of our mind who's coming at some of these positions. But, uh, you know, we have to find depth. We have to find serviceable players all across, you know, all of these positions where we talk offense and defense um, with, with what we have. Right. And, and so um, I'm curious, I'm hearing different things uh, from a couple different sources, but one thing that I do think should be improved uh, regardless is the wide receiver play coach. Brendan Marion is, is kind of, unanimously singled out for praise and the work he's doing and how the receivers are looking. Uh, I also got again to, to use the, the Zabgruder, uh, film got a, uh, a message that the, the Texas football shared catch by Jordan Whittington on the screen where he, he, you know, caught it out, uh, extended arm in front of him and then ran it in for a touchdown was a disservice to him because it was so much more impressive of a physical move in full speed. He's like, I wish they wouldn't have slowed that down so you could see how freakish it was that he at full speed pulled that in, outstretched from his body, and then just took it in stride and ran it in. But I think those are the guys. It's Nayor. It's it's obviously, you know, we, we know what X can do. It's Billingsley coming in looking good. Uh, and, and Whittington, you know, looking as, as good as he has. And all of those guys... As, as good as we thought they could be, plus the kind of solid foundations and techniques that Brendan Marion's putting in. I mean, it, it, looking, we'll, we'll see. We have a season still to, to prove some things out. But looking early returns to be our best just nuts and bolts uh, wide receiver coach in, in years. And it's it's wild because, you know, Sark said he wanted Andre Coleman on his staff in multiple occasions and it didn't happen. And it turns out that and again, we all know what Brennan Marion is. He's a young up and comer. He's uh, got new ideas and new thoughts and he, he brings a new um a new perspective to the room. And I'm glad that it's having the impact that it needed to, because it's, it's, um, it's pretty frustrating that a guy like Jordan Whittington, who everybody thought would be gone by now, uh, is still trying to find his breakout year. And so the defense also had a pretty solid outing, uh, overshone continues to be the man, uh, around campus, whether it be, uh, off the field in cowboy hats and boots or on the field in helmet and pads the DL is probably as again according to the reports and the the sources that we have uh ahead of the offensive line which again we've talked about that before but the offense the defensive line continues to uh impress or, or grow which is good um but Kyle I think as we close this pretty quickly what's something that you're hoping to see or, or what's something you're hoping to hear from from our sources uh as spring practice closes and we head into the spring game here in a couple weeks an edge rusher and defensive backs who are taking steps up right i think uh, oshan mathis announced he'll he'll uh give a decision at the the end of the month and and former coach gary patterson i'm sure is hoping that he'll he'll be reunited but if not it's going to be Ovi, who's our lead edge rusher, and can we consistently pressure, and can that defensive line take a step up? Can the guys that uh, have been called out or or you know singled out, we might talk about that a little later, uh, make the the step up? Uh, and you know, 
there's some guys who've gotten some praise in the defensive backfield. Jade Barron, Ryan Watts is, is seems to be coming in and, and secured a spot pretty instantly. Is uh, looks a, a cut above. I, I've heard Cook is really kind of has some leadership in his move back to safety. Um, so it'll be interesting. It, who, who's going to step up and solidify those starting defensive back spots? We know Patterson is a lot of things. He's also a safety whisperer, and so it'll be kind of interesting to see if if we can have that immediate success where. You know, last year we started uh, a guy who who transferred to uh, an FCS school this year, and another player who was a converted wide receiver. So I mean, uh, I'm I'm expecting a step up from our safety play, and that that might be I might be foolish to think that, but uh, especially with with Patterson, uh, you know, in his success and track record with the safeties, so it, kind of defensive backs and and edge rushers, nothing crazy there, but just hoping to see someone step up or, or maybe multiple guys, right? Multiple guys have some depth. Uh, that's what we're looking for. 12 days from the time of recording is the Texas spring game. We'll obviously be uh, live tweeting through that. We'll probably do, uh, we may do a Twitter space this year in addition to our normal video live stream for those of you on Facebook. We'll see how it goes. Uh, but we'll be back and we'll keep you up to date with spring practice. Next part of the show where we whip around campus and all the other awesome things going on and we down the 40 the soccer team continues to uh just burn through their spring schedule uh with two more wins a thursday win over the pro team uh from mexico the tigres unal uh femenil is what we're going with mm-hmm. three to win over them uh it actually come from behind victory for them uh and then a four nil win over houston on saturday yeah it, it, like it's it's relatively impressive like tigres UNL is is a legendary men's <clears throat> club, um, and and it's a name for sure. But since they've started the the uh, women's league, they are the winningest team uh, in in the the again. It's it's only like a decade old um, or or less, but uh, they are the winningest team. They currently have three of the top seven goal scorers in their league, where they sit a point off of first place. Like. They're a really good professional team, like legitimately a very good professional team. And Texas, you know, showed a lot in being able to uh, to get that win. And that's exciting. You know, it's spring. It's spring ball for everybody. But, um, you know, they fell behind 2-1. Two, two and then uh, MJ Cox coming in, scoring off a corner. Trinity Byers, uh, it, it, was, it was a good performance from some of our favorites. And uh, get you excited for a year that, you know, finished out pretty well uh got into postseason didn't go maybe as far as they wanted but uh had a really good big 12 run last year and it makes you excited for for soccer in the in the fall uh with the big games so texas will close out the spring season this weekend with st edwards on friday and then utsa on sunday the softball team was off but they've got uh, a big matchup with ou this weekend um OU is the juggernaut that we all expected them to be, so expect us to be sad about softball this time next week. Uh, it's not going to be a pretty one for the ladies, at least as it stands right now. Hey, they they run-ruled UT Arlington in the midweek game. Then they, they took off, so they've had a whole week to prepare. I don't know that a week is enough. Maybe three to eight months um, would be enough. Maybe not. Uh, the OU is really good. I don't have they lost this year. They're they're unbelievable. Like they they effectively run rule like half their opponents. Uh, even like the good ones, they're just really good. Um, so yeah. So I think Texas has a lot ahead of them. Uh, if they can get one out of three, that'd be great. If they somehow win this series, uh, watch out, baby. Uh, the the coach White for coach of the year hype train. I'm gonna start it, but. Uh, yeah, it will be it will be an interesting weekend uh, against a really good OU team. It will be at home, 
but it'll be tough. Yes, it will be tough. Uh, number four, women's tennis had a four-love win over number 52. Kansas State took the doubles points and then were leading in all of the singles points but did not need them. Stearns, Collins, and Shativapan finished theirs early. And so Texas now 7-1 in conference play, 16-4 and four on the year. So they are coming towards the end of the season, and, and th- they're trending and getting hot in the right times. Yeah, they, this is a, uh, a a national champion talent team. Let's see if they can keep the uh, the heat going towards the final stretch of the season and postseason. But they have all the talent, uh, singles and doubles, to do it, and they're they're looking good right now. Continue on, ladies. Number eleven men's tennis uh, fell four to one to TCU. They won the doubles point actually. A couple of upsets there. Ciamara and Harper. Upset the number two pair in the country, six to four. And then friends of the show, Elliot Spazier and Sia Woladab, uh, upset the number 11 pair in the country uh, in a three-set tie, three-game tiebreaker uh, to get the singles point. But then uh, TCU absolutely just mowed down uh, Texas in the singles. They won four singles points. They would have won all six, but they ended uh, after four. But still a, a pretty strong, strong showing, uh, especially on the doubles courts. Yeah, uh, big Big Twelve men's tennis is is really good this year. There's some there's some solid teams. Uh, Texas has has played the best already. Um, but yeah, I mean they're they're they get OU uh, who they they beat already coming up next. This is number thirty four OU. I mean it's a ranked team. The Big Twelve uh, is a really good tennis men's and women's uh, conference this year. Uh, so again, nothing is guaranteed. But as they close out conference play, close out uh, the the last kind of third of the the season. Uh, they need to get hot, I think, is is for the men's tennis team. They they have some good talent. I don't know if they have a national championship talent, but they have a talent to scare anyone. You know, they they have top ten talent uh, in 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 a tournament at the end of the year. So uh, they just got to get hot. They got to get confident, and they uh, they need to have some balls bounce their way. It's a sad day for Texas rowing, Kyle. The number one rowing team won just three of four races. Over number six, Michigan. They won the first eight by a full eight seconds. Won the second eight by a full 11 seconds. Won the first four by four seconds. And then they lost the second four by six tenths of a second. Um, Sad out. No, I'm just joking. Uh, That's the first uh, race that they've lost in their five events this season. So they need to face this type of adversity, Kyle, (laughs) heading into NCAAs here in a couple weeks. I mean, winning the first eight by eight seconds is an absolute domination 11 seconds in the second eight they they dominated it, it it's terrible that the 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 second four uh wasn't able to keep the clean sweep all year that would have been pretty incredible but they just they made number six michigan look look uh pedestrian in most of those races so i think that number one ain't going nowhere they're looking very good and they head to new jersey uh where everyone wants to go uh as as the weather gets <laughs> nice no no new jersey's beautiful uh, it, is, to, it is to take on number five princeton and number 13, Rutgers, uh, this weekend. I was laughing because I was thinking about how pretty Princeton is when you said that. I was like, that's a very, very pretty area of the country. It is. It, legit- enough. it legitimately is. Not every part of New Jersey is pretty, but the pretty parts mm. of New Jersey are very nice. They absolutely are. Women's golf at the Bruzzy. Kyle, you've got our busy Bruzzy 
business <laughs> for this podcast. Uh, no worries, bro. Z, uh, we, and, uh, I'm done. No more. <laughs> We're done. Uh, stop, stop. Uh, Texas currently <laughs> sits at, uh, at sixth at plus seven. Um, there is a very clear, uh, likely winner after one round here. Uh, they will play again tomorrow, but, uh, Texas is, is right in the middle of the pack. There's a plus one, plus three, plus six. Um, there is also a team that is minus 19. So Baylor is is minus 19. They will likely not lose that unless they uh, 11 putt like Scotty was trying to do on the final uh, green of the Masters. But no, uh, that that one's they're probably not going to win. So let's see if they can get a you know second or third place finish if they have a uh, a good second day at the Bruz. So next up for them, after they close that tournament tomorrow, they'll have the Big 12 Championship next weekend. They'll take a week off, and then on the 22nd, they'll tee off at the Big 12. On the men's side, the men are at the Western Intercollegiate Tournament. They uh, teed off Monday. They'll wrap on Wednesday of the three-day tournament. This is apparently a nightmare course, Kyle. Pepperdine, who's number eight in the country, currently leads this tournament at a 17-over. Texas is uh, is five back of them at uh, 21 over currently. Individual leaders on the day look as such. Actually, Pearson Cootie, 13th ranked in the country, currently leads all golfers at an even 70 on the day. Yikes, if he evens your leader, that you know it's playing tough. Also, Cootie's 13 because he hasn't played tournaments. He's number one and number two in the, the, the actual rankings. But in golf stat, because he hasn't played, he's 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 fallen. But he's uh, be the individual leaders in the the two tournaments you play in the uh, in the spring, and you uh, you'll probably you'll probably be the number one guy come the end of the year. He's looking great, back from injury. Uh, but yeah, if, if even is your is your leader, that's a tough round of golf. It is a very tough round of golf. Uh, which I, I every round of golf is tough for me. But the Big Twelve Championships are coming up on the twenty fifth for the men, so they're a few days out from the ladies. But the golf season wraps wrapping up rapidly and we're excited to see how it goes but now it's the part of the show where we honor one of the best traditions in all of college athletics big bertha and we bang the drum brought to you by joe ruiz so kyle what are you banging the drum on this week uh gerald in in i will leave a little space at the end of this because i think this is this is probably a uh a a tag team I, I think you'll have some some interesting thoughts and insights if you want to piggyback off but i, I want to talk a little bit about the thing that I think every Texas football fan felt like they were uh, they were in church just hearing hearing someone just really on a heater preaching. You know, that's a word uh, because Moro Ojimo was saying all the things that Texas fans have been saying, feeling for uh, for years, for a decade. Um, basically, going you know as far as to to call individual players out. Uh, you know coaches to some extent he had a comment of you know coaches come and go but we're the players who have to do it you know he he called out you know offensive linemen said y'all y'all need to get it together you need to figure this out there's there's hungry a bunch of young freshmen who are hungry to play who are going to take your spot but i think overall he talked about the culture of the team he talked about you know guys getting 40k and nil and uh and and, and thinking they're set and going out and chasing women and parties and uh, a little bit of limelight instead of putting their head down and grinding and going and getting the $40 million, $40 million payday, which I think is just, it's very, um, 
intellectual and astute and, and mature way to, to look at your situation. I mean, Ojima was the youngest guy. I think he got in his class and, and arrived on campus as a 17-year-old. He's always been kind of on the younger end of the development curve in his class. So I'm really hoping that uh, multiple sources and reports have, have cited him as a uh, – as a a leader on that defense this year and so i'm hoping you know he has a chance for a, a breakout year a guy i'd really like to see it all line up for but you know I, I love it right if you're in that defensive line unit i can only imagine coach bo davis is just in everyone's ear saying yeah this sucks like losing sucks doesn't it you want to be a five-win team or do you want to turn this around do you want to be different do you be want to be the players who make things different he said it's player-led and coach fed right like this is a change that has to come from internal this is they have to do it the the you know he said seven and six bs isn't going to cut it which again would have bit your arm off for seven and six last year but uh you know it's i appreciate that like as a, a an alumni as a fan as someone who covers this team as someone who spends far too much emotional energy and capacity and bandwidth on this team uh it would be great to see them get it all together pull their heads out and say no like this is where it stops right like for every bit of talent on that Vince Young national championship team there was also a team-led set of leaders on offense defense and almost in every position group who was not willing to to settle for losses they weren't willing to settle for close wins if you ask Colorado um, but you know that that was a team that just wanted to go out and, and, and stomp people and 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 grit and grind and rip and claw and scratch to make sure they won every single yard every single play and I like to see a little toughness I'm not saying no player has ever said this before uh but I still like it it's it's probably the most exciting development for me for this entire offseason I want more guys talking like this I want guys like Sark said who just hate losing winning is great but god losing is the worst and it just needs to drive you insane and and honestly Give me ten of those guys, and, and and let's go win some games. So those of you that are that are new to the podcast, my day job I'm a I'm a management leadership consultant, kind of organizational uh, structure and culture, and, and it's it's one of the things that you want to see and hear in an organization. Or let me say it like this: more often than not, when you see a performance issue in an organization, there's off, often a one to one tie back to something off in the culture. And the problem with the word air quotes culture is that it's become like coach speak for any problem that the team has. And so when we talk about like team and organizational culture, it's a real thing. It's like teams are a living and breathing mechanism. And, and as the university of Texas has struggled to find its true culture and a culture of really like accountability is probably what it is. And, and so like, if I was like putting on my consultant hat, if I was uh, doing that, I would probably like the peer to peer accountability on this team has been off for probably 10 years. Guys are not holding each other accountable to the standard at which they should be. And, you know healthy functioning organizations happen when the coaches aren't the ones that are making the calls, when the coaches aren't the ones that are making the corrections, when somebody's out of line culturally. Now, on the field, right, the coaches will obviously make a lot of those corrections, but in the locker room, when teams are interacting, when somebody's on the sidelines and their head's down, and you see other players walking up to them to talk to them, that's when you see a healthy peer-to-peer accountability culture. And I think that's what Morrow's talking about. And I think that's a lot of what Texas needs moving forward uh, is more guys that are willing to say, like, hey, let's cut the crap. Like, we signed up to do a thing. Let's let's do a thing. Uh, and so that's my Gerald's Leadership Minute for uh, about 90 seconds or so. Kyle, I'm <laughs> banging the drum this week on 
Um, somebody who I've banged the drum on before and will continue to bang the drum on because Dabo Swinney continues to, I'm just going to go ahead and say it, say his quiet part out loud. If you haven't read the quote, we're talking to, to Dabo who several years ago said that he was going to retire if the NCAA changed their NIL rules. And then they changed their NIL rules. And then Dabo realized he gets paid like $10 million a year to coach football. And so he didn't want to uh, want to do that. He decided that he was not going to retire because Dabo's not really a man of principle. There we go. I said it out loud, but this is, they asked him about the changes. And so uh, here's the quote. None of us set markets on what we do. We live in a capitalist society. Both those things are true. Uh, that was my commentary right there. The head of Delta probably makes a lot more than the people who are checking your baggage in, but those people are as vital as anybody. And so if you're not following along what Dabo says, Dabo said he's fine with the exploitation of the people that do the actual work because he's getting his. That's what Dabo said. Dabo is totally fine with exploiting young men for his gain. Now, there's a long conversation to be had about what is fair compensation for college athlete. There are people that think they should be fine and happy with their free room and board and their tuition, which I would have loved to have free room and board or free tuition when I was in school would have loved it. But Dabo is saying defending the system being broken by using capitalism, but that's not how capitalism works. Dabo, what you're talking about is market fixing because they were players were not allowed to capitalize. You are keeping players from capitalizing in this capitalist system by unfair rules. When you've got the Supreme Court, that is the most divided Supreme Court that has ever existed in this country, agreeing that the system is messed up, then you know the system's messed up. Like It's like a six-year-old is trying to explain free market economics to me. Right, like the system that we were in before was an exploitative system, and that's fine because the players agreed to it. Like that was what the rules were. The players knew that going in, but now the rules are different. Adapt or die, old man. Like that's the way it is. Adapt or die. Shut up or do something about it. Those are your two choices. And you said you're going to do something, and you backed off on it because, again, you don't care that much. You're just spouting whatever idiocy comes to your mind, and you're going to cash that ten million dollar check anyways. I find it incredibly shocking for to hear someone say that Dabo is performative and 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 just says things to uh virtue signal but I won't go any any deeper he's a huckster I'll be happy whenever he finally has a losing program but it seems like unfortunately while not being the greatest of human beings uh he's he's a good football coach unfortunately and so he'll be around for a while but uh yeah yeah um you're right, Gerald. You said all the things. I won't even try to uh, <laughs> add too much on top of that. I think you are you're spot on. That's all we've got for you this week. Kyle, where can the good folks find you on the internet? You can follow me on Twitter at Kyle Carbon. You can also follow the Texas Pregamer at Texas Pregamer. Follow me on Twitter. I am at GH Goodridge. Follow the show on Twitter at Longhorn Pod. Facebook and Instagram, the Longhorn Republic. Or shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. Thank you so much for tuning in again this week. And until next time, hook 'em. Hook 'em. Way to get the green jacket, Scotty.